0: Hey guys, welcome to Spirit Pig. This is the show that explores how to live a fulfilled life. I'm Duncan CJ and today I'm talking to Kavit Haria. Kavit is an international speaker and leading online business coach with over 10,000 clients worldwide. He is the founder of Insider Internet Success, which has taught people all around the globe how to create businesses that give you time and money freedom. His philosophy is have fun, do exceptional, meaningful work. Pay attention to the details, treat people right, tell the truth and have a positive impact on the world around us. Give back and keep learning. Kavit, thank you so much for being here. It's awesome to talk to you. Oh, Thanks. I'm really pleased to be here. I wanted to basically, because a, a term or a phrase that comes up quite a lot, and we talked about it a second ago, but um, maybe just to refresh anyone who hasn't actually heard this term before, is what exactly is lifestyle design? <laughs> I think it can mean a, a lot of things to a lot of different people,
1: uh, but really, for me, it comes down to one very simple thing, to live a fulfilled life in the way that you want, without any constraints, but also to do it from a place of point, of, of view when where you feel like you really have the freedom to draw on a blank canvas, everything that you want to do, be, have, and become, and strive to do that without obstacles. So... Of course, like, you know, I might want to buy a million dollar house and maybe I'm not at the point that I want, I can do that. For example, somebody might be thinking that in that case, I know I have an obstacle in which, you know, I don't have that much money to be able to do that, but I know that I have the opportunity to draw that out and create the structure to be able to walk there. So a lifestyle design for me is ultimately a drawing on a, on a whiteboard or a a blank sheet of paper, everything that I want to be, do, have, and then creating a plan to be able to do that. So is, this, is, that, is that, would you call that vision boarding or is that... Uh, possibly. Uh, for vision boarding, I think, you know, the traditional vision boarding idea is where you look in magazines and websites and you find the pictures of the things that you really want to do and achieve and so forth and stick them into a book. For me, this is more realistic planning where you sit down and say that in the next three years, I want to achieve this. I want to become this person. I want to uh, have these things in my life. I want to have my life structured so that I have, you know, X amount of more time off. I want to be able to travel this much more. I want to therefore be a lot more freer uh, in these ways. And then to create a concrete plan, like a precise plan that you have confidence in that you can say, over the next year, I've got to invest in the stock market to raise my income. I've got to negotiate a higher salary. I've got to find a new business opportunity for me to start. Whatever it might be, You know, people make money in different ways. But if your vision needs more money, then you make a plan to get more money. If your vision demands that you take more holidays, then... You need to negotiate with the people that help you decide that you need to take holidays to take more holidays, whether it's your wife, it's your (laughs) husband, it's your partner, it's your boss, whatever it is. But what I'm saying is you figure out exactly how you want your perfect day to be, which is what lifestyle design is about, having the ultimate perfect day in your book. And there's no right or wrong. Everyone has their own different view of perfect day. And then to make a plan to go and do it. When people work with me, I usually give them this exercise called perfect day, but I really like the exercise that I talk to literally everybody about it. And really all you've got to do is sit down with a blank sheet of paper and write down, literally just close your eyes for a second, think about what your perfect day would be like and write it down. And it could be initially that you start thinking about things like I want to wake up in the morning and have a great cup of coffee and then get to work. I want to do it at my leisure and not at 6 a.m. in the morning. Whatever, for for the person that isn't. But I want to challenge people to think a little bit broader. So I ask them to think about, well, what is it that you really would love to do? If, If there was no money concern, time concern, family concern, worry, whatever it is, what would it be that you'd really like to do? And then people start saying things like, I'd love to wake up and go for a walk on the beach. I'd like to be in a beach hut where actually the sun falls in into the windows and wakes me up as opposed to me having to wake up to an alarm clock. Then I want to go for a swim and then come back and make my lovely breakfast and juice and then I'll open up my laptop and do my work or check the stock market or whatever it is that people do. But when you start to think about what this perfect day is, then for some weird reason the world conspires to help you make it happen. You know, like things start to occur, people start to come into effect, you start to look up, you know, let's say for me, for example, one of them is the number of holidays I take as well as the the places that I am when I'm working, as well as when I'm back home, the time slots that I work. And for weird reasons, things seem to happen where I only ever work in that period. Like for me, I only ever come into the office after 11 a.m., but I leave by 3.34. So in that five hours of work, I do everything that I need to. But then the other time is, is for time to get things done at home, go out, enjoy the sunshine, go to the coffee shop, read my books, whatever it is, and or play music especially. So all these things can happen, but you've got to sit down and write down what that perfect day is. Otherwise, you'll never know. Otherwise, you're living your life, and this is what I think. You people live their lives um, designed by others until they make the conscious des- decision to actually design their own. Yeah,
0: no, I love that because it's yeah that that idea of design. Because <clears throat> rather than going through life almost on autopilot, letting life happen to you, it's flipping it on its head, and actually, you are designing you're creating that day for yourself
1: I mean you have the opportunity to do that and most people don't that's what is the most bizarre thing and it's bizarre because we all go through it like you've gone through it I've gone through it we've all gone through our lives where and the greatest people have done that for years and years have gone through their lives where they are running their lives based on other people even if people have businesses they are running their lives because their staff demand them their clients demand them they're not running their lives based on their own decisions on their own creation and we have that amazing potential to do that in the world that we live in today
0: yeah and no, i like that's incredible and um, you mentioned uh, you just you mentioned music and i mean i was going to mention that in the introduction like you you've, you've forged you know actually around the can you remind me of the name of the instrument the t- tabala to t- Yeah. the tabla I mean it's this amazing instrument and uh you, you've you've played with like you know um Jimmy Page like Paul McCartney and so then this is just and that's a passion and so was that something which you were lifestyle designed you know you realized that actually this is a passion of mine I love this instrument and I want to be a musician and was that something which you were very intentional about does it apply, did it apply to that as well as your business? Because obviously I talked about the business in, at the beginning, Insider Internet Success. But have you applied this lifestyle design to all parts of your life? I never knew it consciously, but I did. Mm. You know, when I, when I was
1: playing music and when I was learning, and I still am, but the point is when I got to the point where I really wanted to branch out and play professionally, I made the decision that actually I wanted to play music. I wanted to do this. And it was a conscious decision, but it, I didn't really know at that time about things like lifestyle de- I mean, lifestyle design has only become really popular since Tim Ferriss released the 4-Hour Work Week. Before that, it was a thing that everyone was doing unconsciously, subconsciously, or they weren't doing it at all. So I made those decisions, of course. But what Tim Ferriss, I guess, is saying is that it's not just about the things that happen naturally that you make a decision about because they fall into your lap. Music fell into my lap, as, so, as, as it were, and I became good at it. So the next step, the natural progression, is to say, well... How do I want to take this? Do I want to play professionally or do I want to continue just learning as a hobby and playing as a hobby? And that was a decision that fell into my lap. But there are decisions all across our life that don't fall into our lap, things that don't immediately jump out at us. Uh, Let's just say for health, for example. I'm not overly fat, but I know that I could become better. I could tone up better. Now, that isn't something that's going to fall into my lap until I have a health problem or a health issue. But I can make the conscious decision to say that, I want to achieve my body in this way. I want to get to this weight. I want to get to this muscle tone, etc. Yeah. Those are lifestyle design choices in my opinion. But anyway, music fell into my lap. I became a professional. I started playing a lot, as, as you said. I played with a lot of great people. And it got to the point where I really enjoyed what I was doing, but a lot of people were asking how I was doing what I was doing. And that's when I launched my first business online, InsiderMusicBusiness.com. And that business from 2005 or 2006 all the way up to 2009, so four or five years, it basically created education for musicians on how they can promote themselves, how they can get more gigs, how they can improve their careers, and how they can ultimately quit their day job as creative people and earn their money from their art, their music. Mm-hmm. So I did that whole process. I went through that whole process. And essentially what happened is after building this really – successful business, again, I had this other conscious decision that, that seemed to fall into my lap again, which was that I could go out and do this for other businesses. And that's where I'm at today.
0: So cool. It's, I mean, cause so I remember, yeah, I heard you speak about a month ago and I've actually been following you know, your stuff for a while. And it's, it's such a cool, it's such a cool journey. And, um, but one, I was on your, I just mentioned a second ago, I was on, um, I was on your Twitter account today and I mean, you're, you're posting actively and it was, it was, there's so much good content in quotes. And there's about, there's two or three different quotes which you've retweeted, which kind of jumped out at me, which I mean, it'd be cool to talk to you. I mean, sure. uh, one of them, you retweeted one by um, Kevin Kelly, where you said travel is still the most intense mode of learning. Can you elaborate on that? How How have you... How did that sort of resonate with you? I told you about insider
1: music business just now. And for me, I'd gone through this process where I'd created a huge amount of products, info products, CDs, ebooks, DVDs, coaching programs, workshops, communities, meetups, etc. And all these things had happened within four years. So it was fast growth. And I got to the point at the end of that where I was burnt out from creating product in my business because I felt like I taught everything that I knew in my short career. And if I was creating any new stuff, I would simply be rehashing it.
0: Hmm.
1: I also started to get bored of the whole business. I'd learned marketing. I'd automated everything. Everything was working well. I was generating income. So I set myself a go. I said, look, for years I wanted to travel. My family at that point when I was at university earlier said, wait till you finish university and you could do whatever you want. So I I did that. I did obey at that time. And I decided that there was this point in 2009 that I have wanted to do all this traveling, but why not now? And so I traveled. That was one of my first big journeys on my own. And I'd gone to Africa, uh, in South Africa specifically, and I took a truck. There's a, it's called overlanding. but It's a group of people. But you sit in a truck and you travel through eight countries. It takes six weeks and you camp every single night. I didn't check my email once in that period. And the second time I did that was literally, you know, I finished that. I had a month's break and then I went back again for three months. This time I went to India. Now, my grandparents are from India. I've traveled there once before this particular trip, and that was when I was a lot younger. And in this particular trip, I went from north to south, essentially, over two and a half months. And I didn't check my email that much either during that point. In this six-week break, my business continued to make the same amount of money that I had generated, which for me was proof that this automated online business thing works really well. Lifestyle design is so possible, and you can create your business however you want. But the biggest learnings I generated throughout the last you know 10 years were from initially those two trips and then the dozens of trips that I've taken since. And for me, when you travel, you meet a huge type of a huge variety of people yeah. from a whole host of cultures. you explore all kinds of food, you get to see all kinds of art and, and music and dance and things that I was interested in. and more importantly, you get to really do the things that make you come alive. And for me, getting out in the sun, changes my entire mood and my entire view of life, my entire scope. I just came back last week, as I told you, from the Dominican Republic. And I would get up every morning before sunset to go to the beach to watch the sunset and to do my yoga. And that was the highlight of my day, even though I could sit on the beach the whole day, and I did. But the highlight was that one and a half hours in the morning. Because for me, you get to see a whole part of this world that comes alive. And so many people are stuck in their... I was talking to a friend earlier today where we talked about this idea. And he said that I come back from holiday and after three to five days, I'm so into my work again that I forget about that fact that I just went on holiday. And it we felt like so long ago and we become so stuck in our own cubicle or our own uh, desk, if you like that the world has so much to offer. Like one of the greatest trips I ever took was to Alaska and I've taken the cruise in Alaska and seeing like these huge ice mountains that look the size of you but are actually a thousand times who you are so much that if ice drops in the ocean it makes a huge sound and you don't really appreciate life until you see all the beauty that the world itself has to offer and so i think that's where that quote
0: comes from and, and the fact that i retweeted that yeah no I, I, I totally resonated with it it was it just yeah it hit a call because i could completely buy I i've done an africa trip as well and it's just no email completely cut off and it's it's just it's amazing uh, and another one which jumped out was because um, you mentioned Tim Ferriss earlier and um, he said like a person's success in life can usually be measured by the number of uncomfortable conversations he or she is willing to have. Have you been in your life? Have you been willing to have those conversations? Yeah, I never
1: used to. I never used. I always used to shy away from going to networking events. I always used to shy away from doing meetups. Uh, I know I always used to shy away from getting out and meeting people. I was this kind of person that ran my business from behind the laptop and that was it. That's all you knew of me. But in the last five to six years I've really gone out a lot more and uh, it's been I, I feel like I'm an introvert and so um, I, I become an extrovert maybe when I when I'm speaking or when I'm doing this interview maybe but generally I'm an introvert I shy away from a lot of different things and being an introvert immediately puts you on the back foot in your mind as to whether you can actually handle what people are gonna say.
0: Yeah.
1: I always used to feel before all of this that people, have better things to say than I do and therefore I would always become subdued or stuck or under the thumb based on what they were saying. And I changed all of that slowly through natural progression and through the idea that actually to grow my business I need more networks and to have better networks and also to understand life better you need to know more people better. Every single person you meet has something so different about them that it just transforms your outlook on life. One small conversation, even if it's 15 minutes, can leave with you some wisdom that really just changes everything. And so there is power, in my opinion, in having really good, meaningful conversations. And there is definitely power in being present with that person, listening to them without your phone, without any distractions, without anything else, literally maybe just with a a coffee and then, you know, getting to the heart. Because that 15-minute conversation, even if it's five minutes, but really pure listening, I found, has better meaningful relationships with that. And it helps you accept the no's and the rejections. So I've had a lot of no's and rejections in many different ways. Uh, for example, I've published, I've uh, submitted books for proposal by different um, established uh, groups of people that publish books, essentially, like Penguin and so forth. And I've had rejections from them. And you know, it doesn't mean I'm going to stop. At the end of the day, I want my book to be published by an author house and not self-published, so I'm going to go after those deals. I've also had a no's from. Uh, Musicians, especially that was one of the nodes in the earlier days that got me down. Where I would go out and say, You know, I've got this Indian instrument, I play it really well, I want to fuse it with Western music, and this is back in 2004, let's do that. And a lot of people would be like, No, well, you know, I'm not getting paid for that time, so I don't want to do it. I don't really know if there's a risk involved. What if people don't like it, etc.? There's a lot of rejection with that. There's a lot of rejection also when You try to get on the phone and you want to sell your product or service to your client or to potential clients. And after an hour and a half on the phone call, they turn around the next day and they say, no, I'm not interested. And you spent 90 minutes of your time to do that. You've invested and given so much value and knowledge and energy and that somebody turns around and says no, especially when you felt the way they were talking to you, they were actually going to buy. And those are some of the more common things that I, I face on a regular basis. Uh, But I've learned to adapt myself to be able to quickly tell whether somebody's really interested. And I think I'm at the point now where I very quickly say that, you know, these are the criteria. Do you meet them? And if you do, then we'll continue talking. And if not, then I think, you know, let's schedule a call when you actually do meet the criteria because it saves my time and it also saves your time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, that's interesting. And would you say that? Um, because one thing I saw that you you mentioned, um, and there's basically there's two completely different school of thoughts. So I've I've heard it from both ends, and I'd be interested to hear what your thoughts are. Specialists versus generalists. Like, what's your view on this? Because some people are like, you know, be niche, 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 micro niche when you want to create success in something. So, for example, your your instrument or whatever, you know, it was you know micro niche. But then other people are like, it's it's good to be like a jack of all trades because then you can come from. Uh, experience from all sort of different sides where do you feel where do you lie in in those two things
1: I was on another podcast the other day and the lady asked me that she had a potential listener um, who is a single mom and they are creating a a website for a single mom and she's having a lot of reaction from dads single dads saying her content is amazing she should write for single dads too this lady is at the early stage of her website of her business. So does she create this website for parents as a whole? Does she stick to the mums, uh, or does she, you know, does she, do, does she do it for both? And my answer is to actually stick to the single one, the single mom. She is a single mom. She has all her experience in that area. Build it up as a specialist. Become really well known as a single mom expert. And then at the, on the side, have a little thing on the side of your website that says, hey, single dads, we know you're reading this. If you if you want more information, click this, click this link and sign up to our Single Dad newsletter. Don't make it a big thing about Single Dads, but just have the newsletter on the side so you start to build the list. But only when you get three, four or 500 people interested, when you feel like you're actually oversubscribed, as it were, then you can basically say, I'm going to start a new venture for Single Dads. But if you don't do that and you have like 3 dads telling you it's great and you have 50 moms telling but you, you start to think oh let me open up and become a generalist to all parents you don't have enough people to do that. You, you in my opinion what you do is you broaden too quickly mm. and therefore the time that it takes to become really successful shortens. And that's the key. If anybody's going to become a generalist, they need to know that a generalist takes a lot longer for than a specialist to become More popular, have more traffic, grow their business a lot more, increase their sales because they are targeting a huge number of people. The reason I like specialists is because you very clearly know who your target audience is, and that's what it comes down to. If you know that your target audience is, for example, business owners, but those business owners that earn between two to five million dollars, that have under five staff, if you can be really, or maybe in that even live in the UK, if you can be that specific about your target, then you're a specialist. Hmm. Otherwise you're a generalist that targets all business owners between you know zero to five million that have no there's no limit time of staff they could be, they could be anywhere in the world. You're doing the same thing, you're doing the same work, but you're a specialist in terms of your audience and you're specialist in, or, or you're generalist in terms of your audience. And that itself, without even thinking about you know the tablet as an instrument which could then be, you know, if I was to chunk up, it could be percussion. I'm not even thinking about that. But just do your specialism and your generalism based on your target audience, which then you'll find will allow you to open up very quickly to different audiences.
0: That's I would really, do it that way. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I guess if, if, the more specialist you get, you can then tailor your message and it actually speaks to them probably on a much deeper level, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: And they connect with you better. Yeah. Um, a bit of a detour, but I know that um, I, I, I stumbled across one of your old blogs, um, like consciousness and awareness, or like. And I was reading, you know, awareness and consciousness, and um, as well as obviously the business stuff. You've done a lot of the personal development, and you talked about, you know, you brought interviews on, and that was fascinating. And because um, this has been, I think, I was going from two thousand and five. So you've you've basically been involved in personal development as well for like more than ten years. You've obviously read a huge amount. I know you had some great like recommended books. Like, have you found any? key lessons or principles that sort of stood the test of time for example gratitude or being present in the moment like what are the kind of key ones that have really just for you stood like the test of time
1: that's a really fantastic question and it's
0: loaded i've read personal development
1: books since uh uh, at least 15 years now. And uh, was, I, this i first one I ever stumbled upon. I, I'm trying to rem- remember what it is. But uh, one of the big ones that stand out in my head is, of course, The Monk Who Sold Us Ferrari by Robin Sherma. And I read a lot of Robin Sherma and I follow him a lot. Uh, I like the way he succinctly brings everything together. Uh, but in terms of uh, time, I think that uh, there are really three ver- very key points. The first is that the past does not equal the future. No matter what has happened before, No matter who has done something to you or what results you've created or good or bad, even if they're good results, they do not equal the future. The future is uh, in one sense unwritten, in another sense completely written, but it's all done by you in that very moment. Uh, The second is that uh, there is no other time apart from now. And more importantly, now stands for no opportunities wait. So you can either grab the opportunity that you have in front of you or you can say no to that opportunity but you can never say later. You know, there there is no such thing as later. There is always now, yes or no. And I think when you go through lives and you see the various opportunities that jump out at you, and this is what I've done very specifically, I've either said yes or no. And there are many times when I've said later, but that comes from a place of indecision and a place of a lack of clarity. And therefore the third thing is to be very clear about the impact that you want to leave in this world or the legacy or the vision that you have for yourself in this world. Because when you have a vision, you will stick to it so well if you keep looking at it, that is, you know, every every week, every month, whatever it is. If you remember it, you will pay attention to it so well that it will direct and drive your decisions and it would therefore give you the clarity that you need to make sure that you're always saying yes and no and not later. You know, you will address, you will um, check your opportunities that you get based on the vision. If the opportunity you're presented with matches up to your vision, you'll say yes. If it doesn't, you'll say no. You'll know very clear-cut, yes or no. There's no messing around with that, which means that you can have a life, I, in my opinion, which is a little bit more content-based, a little bit more fulfilled, and without any tension. Because you have tension when you have uh, the the decision in front of you and you haven't made a decision. That's when you have tension. Uh, and you really don't want to get to that point. You always want to be making decisions all the time. Because, the the, in my opinion, the decision, I, I feel like, is... Uh, is like, is, is like an instrument. The more you practice it, the better you get at it, the more you wire that decision-making skill that you have. Whether it comes from your gut or it comes from your mind or whatever. But the better you get at making decisions, the better your life becomes. And so these are all things that I, I play around with and think about all the time. And most importantly, part of that is that I am the captain of my ship. Nobody else steers this ship in no, but no other direction unless I let them. And if I let them, then I'm doing my life a disservice because I'm placed on this earth for a reason. And I don't know what that reason is just yet. I'm still trying to figure it out, as everybody is. It's always one that consistently keeps changing. We think we know it right now, but we'll, it will change in a few years. But if I let somebody else dictate that reason, then I'm doing a disservice and I'm not doing a duty to the fellow people and passengers on this planet or in this dream you know, that we're living in. So uh, these are the kind of things that I, I I, I hold very dear to me, I hold very close to me, and I think they can make a, a really big difference, even if one of them was applied to somebody else. You mentioned gratitude and living in the present, so I didn't want to touch on those, but those are really important as well. For a while, I did this activity where I would write a handwritten card every day, one card, I did it for about six months, and I would just mail it out, because nobody does that anymore. Nobody. Everybody sends texts and WhatsApp messages and Facebook messages and, and emails and stuff like that, but when you actually get together a card, Have them stamped. Have them ready to go. It takes five minutes to write a quick message. Have a list of people you want to send it to. The returns, I'm not looking for returns by doing that, but the returns are fantastic. You get people call you up to say thank you. You get people recommend you on. You get people connect you to others that can help you reach your own vision, work, personal vision, whatever it is. And uh, you ultimately build a better network. And so it's a fascinating uh,
0: activity that I did once. I, maybe I want to do it again at some point having this conversation with you. <laughs> it's quite interesting you mentioned that. I can't, can't remember who it was, but I heard about a couple of months ago, similar thing, a guy was saying how everyone sends like Christmas cards. So he doesn't send Christmas cards. He sends like Thanksgiving cards because no one else does that. And so he handwrites, you know, and so <laughs> they, they arrive in the post and the, 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 he's the only one. And so exactly like, you know, the lost art of like writing. That's exactly. interesting. I think Ex- I need to start doing more of that as well. <laughs> what is i think we' are um, be cautious not to take up too much of your time, but um what a couple of speed round questions I mean you touched on one of them there, so I don't know if it might be a bit of overlap but what what does a fulfilled life mean to you A uh, fulfilled life comes down to being able to
1: wake up happy and wake up content and trying to decrease whatever tension you have in your life. I think you can be fulfilled even if you don't have all the money that you want in the world, even if you don't have all the time that you want for for yourself in the world, so long as you go through life without tension or without stress. And I think that the way tension and stress builds up is through bad communication and a lack of decisions. So in my opinion, if you consistently make really good decisions or bad decisions, but you make a decision that actually takes you a step forward from where you are, you shouldn't have the tension and stress that we all seem to be burdened with. That's an ideal world. We're all striving to be as good as we can be. But the moment we say yes or no to any opportunity that comes with us and we keep moving forward in this, in this journey of life, then I think we'll find that fulfillment. I think it's something that uh, is elusive for a lot of people, but it doesn't have to be if you set clear benchmarks of what it means. And I think a lot of people also don't know what fulfillment is It's because they haven't sat down to think about what the definition of fulfillment is. I read an amazing book. Um, called the Forty Rules of Love, by Elif Shafak. Uh, Shaka- Shafak I think, uh, and it's she's a Turkish author. She writes this book where she uh, there's this two plays going on. One is between Rumi and uh, the Shams of Tabriz. These two amazing geniuses from our from our world and. Another, another lady basically in the US and this traveling guy and there's two love stories that coincide and she talks about how they they work and these 40 rules seem to come out of these two love stories but really
0: when you read them I think they define what fulfillment in life is all about amazing I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna chuck that I'm gonna get the uh, the 40 rules of love I'm gonna put that in the show notes yeah that that might actually that might actually my, third, my, my, my other speed round question was, are there any books or resources which have changed or had a big impact on you? Is that, is that your choice?
1: Uh, there are lots and lots of books <laughs> that have had an impact on me for sure. Um, but this one is one that I've read before I reread it again. For, uh, there's one that I read a long time ago that I haven't read for a while now, but it's called How to Make One Hell of a Profit and Still Get to Heaven so it brings together your concepts uh, cuz this is about personal development and you know other things like business and life this this brings together both to show you that it's okay to make money here's how to make money and here's how a spiritual person might make money and uh, it's by john d martini and uh, th- those are really really good books that i'd recommend really anybody to read uh, they'd give a they'd give a eye opening opportunity to anybody who's looking for something like that uh, and then the other book that I really recommend is called The Four Agreements by Don Miguel
0: Ruiz, The Four Agreements. I, I, sorry, I, I was just smiling to myself because I read that three days ago. I literally, I, I've, just, I've just finished it. As yeah. Actually, no, actually, no I've, got, I've got about 20 pages left to read, but it's, yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic, isn't and it? And
1: after that, he's got a lot of different books. But the second one I'd recommend if, you, if anyone really enjoys that is called The Mastery of Love. I think it's better than The Four Agreements, but I think that reading The Four Agreements sets you up for the next one, The Mastery of Love. And obviously, you see this love theme coming through. And for me, work is, is, is really play. And, and the idea about being able to get up and set your own schedule and, and do things that are really meaningful so that other people are benefiting and therefore you're benefiting is all in the idea of love, ultimately. <laughs> awesome. I feel really blessed to
0: be able to share here. Um, I'm, I'm, thank you so much for sharing. I'm, literally, I'm, I'm writing these down. I'm like, right, I've got my reading list now sorted for the next couple of weeks. Fantastic. And what is one thing all our listeners can do today that will have a massive positive effect on their lives? I read this amazing quote
1: um, by Susan Kane from a book called The Quiet Power of Introverts. And she says, Everybody shines given the right lighting. And I think if you spend just a few minutes to think about what that really means for you, like everybody shines given the right lighting. And the fact is everybody uh, listening to this podcast for sure has the right lighting. You just set that spotlight on them with this show. So everybody shines given the right lighting can go a long way to giving you the inspiration, the motivation, the power that you need to, because you know that you have whatever it is to to light up the world.
0: I love that. That's amazing. Thank you. And uh... Finally, how can people stay in touch? Where can we send them? How can people find out more about you? Uh, Twitter, definitely. I'm going to chuck definitely your Twitter below because you're constantly posting just amazing content, quotes, thoughts, articles. So that's one place. But where else? Yeah, thank you. That's very kind. Uh, My website is
1: www.insiderinternetsuccess.com. I-N-S-I-D-E-R, insiderinternetsuccess.com. And uh, what I will say is that I know this is a person development slash leadership kind of show, but... If you are the kind of person that is looking to find more time, more money, more freedom through having an online business, then I can only share with you the stories and successes of our clients. And that's what you'll find on that website. And there's even a book you can download for free, which is really just case studies. And you can see people like you and I that have gone through this entire process and literally uh, worked with us to build their businesses online to six figures in a year. And that case study is available as a
0: book as well as on the, on that website insiderinternetsuccess.com fantastic Carrot. Okay, thank you so so much for talking to me today i've it's been i, I loved it absolutely loved it it's been amazing and uh, i know you're a busy busy man so i really appreciate you giving the time to us today my pleasure it was fun thank you talk soon